Oral questions by members. Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, last week the federal government announced a break on carbon tax for home heating, a break that will apply to provinces back east but won't apply to BC families unless this Premier takes action. As a Premier, I can tell you I'd eliminate all home heating taxes immediately, giving British Columbians the relief they deserve from this NDP government's middle-class squeeze. Cold weather is here. Furnaces are being turned on right across this province. So why won't this Premier provide BC homeowners the same break the federal government is giving people back east and eliminate the carbon tax and all home heating fuels in BC today? Premier. Thank you. Uh... Chair, last week we saw uh, what was clearly a rushed announcement from the federal government. Uh, it protects a particular type of heating. It doesn't protect people. And our commitment on this side of the House has been to take strong climate action while protecting people, providing, for example, carbon tax rebates. Um, still uh, trying to figure out with the federal government where they're headed on this issue. I appreciate uh, the member opposite now opposes the carbon tax. Um, that's uh, his position to flip and flop over. Uh, but for us, we're going to continue supporting people uh, and, uh, and take action on climate. That's what British Columbians expect. Leader of the official opposition, supplemental. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, let's be really clear about this. This is the government that broke the social contract that we had with the public that said that this was going to be a tax shift not a tax grab. I remind the uh, Premier that under us, all revenues by law had to go towards reducing personal income taxes and small business taxes, making it a shift, not a grab. That ended, of course, in the very first budget of this NDP government. They just couldn't, couldn't stomach having any dollars go back into taxpayers' pockets. So now, under the NDP, we've got a situation where the average family of four is stuck paying nearly $500 in net new carbon tax costs, while our neighbours in Alberta and Saskatchewan see up to a $1,000 rebate. That's their record. Members. There shouldn't be a tax grab on something as straightforward as trying to keep your home warm in British Columbia. And so my question to the Premier. Why won't the Premier level the playing field and exempt all home heating in British Columbia from the carbon tax? Premier. Your Honourable Chair, well, the member knows that's simply not right. A family of four who got $500 last year will get $900 this year. Yeah. A single person who got $193.50 last year will get $447 this year. It's more than double. And let's, as to that ridiculous claim of carbon neutrality when he sat on this side of the House, take it from no better source than the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. 2012, quote, it's ridiculous for an average taxpayer to be told it's revenue neutral when they're forced to pay the ever-increasing carbon tax but have no ability to access the corresponding tax breaks. Or maybe the Fraser Institute. Um, quote, BC's carbon tax is often misperceived and misrepresented as being revenue neutral. The carbon tax is currently not revenue neutral. Honourable Speaker, the member needs to A, remember what he used to say about this issue before, B, remember what he did before, before he stands up and speaks in this House. 
Leader of the Official Opposition, second supplemental. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I do actually remember. I remember we had a $30 a ton carbon tax that actually got improved results and lower emissions. <laughs> I remember. And now, now, under the NDP's leadership, more than doubling the carbon tax, we're seeing emissions go up. We are seeing more taxes hammering families. It is no longer a tax shift, it's a tax grab. And the reality is, after seven years of this NDP government, we now know the media is even reporting it that British Columbia has become the most unaffordable province in the entire country. That's the reality Members. of the middle class tax squeeze that's happening under this NDP government. We have a cost of living crisis, and yet in other provinces, you have premiers immediately acting to do something about it. And families are simply wondering why is it? than when other provinces are quick to act on something and they're getting a break on the East Coast, why wouldn't this Premier fight to give us a break on the West Coast? The answer, the answer Mr. Speaker, is because this Premier repeatedly fails to fight for families. So will the Premier stand up? Will the Premier stand up and lead for once and stop this tax grab on all home heating in this province, yes or no? Premier. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Now, uh, we absolutely are pushing the federal government to ensure that the same, the exact same treatment on the East Coast applies on the West Coast. It's common sense. Members. But for this member, the architect of tolls on bridges the guy who raised the MSP every year, the guy who raised ICBC rates every year to say standing up for families, give me a break, Honourable Chair. Now, if I want to know what this member's position is, I think I'll just have to look down the chamber and ask what the BC Conservative Party position is on the next issue, because this member cannot make up his mind on anything. Carbon tax on harm reduction. I wonder what it'll be next. Maybe I should ask the Conservative Party. Member for Prince George Vale Mount. Well, thank you, and perhaps uh, the Premier should actually talk to British Columbians who struggle every day to try to live in the most expensive province in British Columbia under this Premier's watch. Here's what we know. Nearly 40,000 households rely on heating oil, many of them right here on Vancouver Island, and families right across the province use natural gas to heat their homes and will pay almost $300 this year alone in carbon tax. These families deserve a break from this Premier, from his middle-class squeeze, but the Premier will not agree to that. Will the Premier stand up today, straightforward, give families a break, and exempt all home heating from the carbon tax, yes or no? Minister of Energy and Mines. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. And yes, indeed, last week we saw a very rushed decision by the federal government, uh, making a decision where they dropped on us Without very little note, with very little notice at all. And we have been pushing the federal government for better co-delivery of programs to support British Columbians in the choices that they want to make. We know British Columbians want to make the switch from fossil fuels to clean electricity through heat pump rebates. And we expect, in fact, we demand of the federal government that same support. But we're not going to stop supporting people in delivering more affordable 
more affordable measures for people, and that's why the Climate Action Tax Credit, that's why we enhanced it. And as we already heard, more than doubling it for individuals. Mr. Speaker, we're going to continue to do this work because we know that's what British Columbians expect of us. We're going to drive down emissions with some of the strongest climate policies in North America while we're supporting people with more affordable cost of living. Member for Prince George Wilmot, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. What people want to hear from this Premier is less finger pointing and to see some action. He could do that today. In fact, members, 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 let's get the question, please. Members, let's get the question. Please proceed. Well, the members opposite might think it's funny to talk about providing a more affordable lifestyle in British Columbia. We don't think it's funny on this side of the house. So let's be clear to the minister. She knows the facts. Nearly a million households in British Columbia use natural gas to heat their homes. And what they deserve is a break from the NDP's tax grab. After all of the rebates that we've heard about today, BC is one of the only provinces where a two-income family of four actually loses money on the carbon tax, hundreds of dollars. Meanwhile, families in Ontario come out ahead by $750, and those in Alberta and Saskatchewan are better off by $1,000 annually. The Premier could do this for British Columbians today. So again to the Premier, Will he do the right thing and exempt all home heating from the carbon tax, yes or no? Minister of Energy and Mines. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. We are going to continue to support British Columbians in the work that they know, that we know they want us to do, and that is taking action on climate. We're not going to walk backwards on our climate policies. We're going to stay focused on people, supporting them with rebates for switching to heat pumps, for example. But, Mr. Speaker, of course that's not the only action we're taking to support people in this province. We've reduced ICBC premiums by an average of $500 a year. Wow. We've lowered childcare bills. We've lowered childcare bills up to an additional $900 a month. Mr. Speaker, we're going to continue to put, put money back in people's pockets Members. to support them where we know they need it. We're going to take action on climate. Members. We're going to continue Members. to do this work. Leader of the third party. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And since we're mostly in alignment about the need to address climate change, and last week the province announced the creation of conservation financing mechanism, which will help the greatest defence against climate change, which is the natural world, and in, in particular old growth forests. With less than 3% of BC's high productivity old growth forests still standing, this is a welcome and necessary step towards protecting those forests and creating new protected areas. However, several loopholes remain in the government's conservation financing initiative. For one, interim measures are, not, are missing to ensure the most ecologically important areas are not logged while funding mechanisms and long-term forest landscape planning gets underway. And secondly, no mention of ecosystem-based protection. Without these targets, we might see the protection of alpine and subalpine trees while the giant ancient trees continue to be logged Adhering to the province's long-standing policy of talk and log, my question, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Forests. Will this government commit to ecosystem-based protection targets? Minister of 
Minister of Forests. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Uh, last week, the, uh, an, a very important announcement was made with the Premier, my colleague, the Minister of uh, Water, Land and Resource Stewardship, uh, and myself, uh, setting forward a conservation financing mechanism. Uh, the government has contributed uh, $150 million, and the BC Parks Foundation has matched that with another $150 million. BC Parks Foundation is led by a, a number of people, but including among them is Ross Beatty, a well-known uh, now philanthropist, but someone who uh, made uh, some money in the, in the mining industry, but seeks to uh, advance conservation goals here in British Columbia. So I'm very confident that that new mechanism will lead to good decisions about uh, in, uh, taking land that uh, should not be uh, damaged in any way and should be conserved for, for the future uh, out of uh, any uh, development streams and conserved for all time. So that's, that's the mechanism that we have and that's what we intend to do. Leader of the Third Party Supplemental. Oh my goodness, Honourable Speaker, I did read the press release. I do know what conservation financing is. I do know what the announcement was, but I asked a very specific question. I'm just going to point out that this government has been trying to tell British Columbians that their old growth harvesting has been at record lows and showed that BC is on the right track, but according to new analysis, instead of falling to the, quote, lowest level on record of old growth logging, as reported by the former Minister of, fin of Forests, old growth logging actually increased by 19%. I'm going to try again, Honourable Speaker. My question is to the Minister of Forests. Will this government commit to ecosystem-based protection targets? Minister of Forests. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. The Old Growth Strategic Review, which was initiated by the government uh, uh, and is now uh, being implemented, we've implemented a number of the measures, the recommendations, there are 14. Uh, we've adopted all of those and begun to implement them, whether it's uh, updating old growth maps based on the best data available, the conservation financing mechanisms, which we just spoke of, engaged with 204 uh, First Nations on deferrals, we implemented deferrals and protections on nearly 2.4 million hectares of old growth. Uh, we've uh, contributed 185 million to support forest workers and communities. We've created the $180 million BC Jobs Manufacturing Fund to help mills retrofit to get old growth logs, get off old growth logs, and manufacture more high-value wood products, and shift from industry-developed stewardship plans, formerly. A login plan was submitted to the ministry without any community consultation. We've uh, substituted for that forest landscape plans developed in collaboration with communities and First Nations. Mr. Speaker, we're in the process of transforming the forest sector. We're well underway, and I invite the member to join us in that important work. House Leader of the Fourth Party. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, British Columbians are struggling to put food on the table and fuel in their tank. Mortgage payments are going up, and rents have hit an all-time high. 
Every single day, hardworking British Columbians are struggling under the burden of inflation, red tape, and punitive taxation imposed by this BC NDP government. Mr. Speaker, this is why the Conservative Party of British Columbia took a stand as the first party in this House to call for an end to the carbon tax. Climate change is real. However, Members, let me say it again in case you didn't hear it. Climate change is real. Let's, members, let's However, get the question. Taxing British Columbian families into poverty is not the answer. Mr. Speaker, my question to the Premier is, will this NDP Premier listen to British Columbians who are struggling and help them by ending the carbon tax, or will he continue making life less and less and less affordable for everyday working British Columbians. Minister of Energy and Mines. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. It's great to hear the member confirm that climate change is real, and it is something we should take really seriously, and he knows it. When he was in the party he used to represent, they were part of putting a price on pollution as a key method of fighting climate change, moving our province to a cleaner, brighter, better future. And I think the member understands that there are climate policy experts who will say that this is widely seen as one of the most efficient, effective and progressive means of reducing emissions. In fact, Mr. Speaker, it's been incredibly effective here in BC, both at reducing emissions, making the oil and gas industry less emissions intensive, for example, but it also drives innovation. It helps to bolster innovation within industry. And Mr. Speaker, our goal is to continue working with British Columbians, answering to their call to meet our climate action targets, but understanding that affordability is a serious concern, and the member rightly raises that. That's why we are taking action across so many different areas to support British Columbians in the cost of living. The climate action tax credit, I'll say it again, with the enhanced tax credit, we've more than doubled what an individual received back. And by 2030, Mr. Speaker, most people will get more carbon tax back than they paid. Fourth Party House Leader Supplemental. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The carbon tax increases the cost of fuel, food, building new houses, and so much more. It affects every aspect of the lives of British Columbians, and it does absolutely nothing to help the environment. The Conservatives are the only party in this House willing to call out this carbon tax for what it is, a cash grab that goes directly into general coffers of this government. Mr. Speaker, recently British Columbians learned that Eastern Canadians, as we've heard, are getting a special exemption from the carbon tax on home heating oil. Once again, Western Canadians are getting the short end of the stick and are being left out in the cold. There will be no exemption for home heating oil or any other form of heating for everyday, hard-working British Columbians. Once again, the federal, ta the federal 
the federal Liberal tax, the BC NDP coalition is leaving British Columbians out in the cold. Mr. Speaker, will this Premier commit to righting this wrong by taking the carbon tax off of all home heating in British Columbia this winter? Minister of Energy, Mines and Low Carbon Innovation. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Well, let me just correct the member to say that the, climate, the carbon tax goes back to industry to innovate and reduce their emissions. It goes back to people in the form of a climate action tax credit. So it's simply not true the way he characterizes it. And Mr. Speaker, last week, of course, we saw the announcement from the federal government about the decision that they took, a decision that apparently wasn't very well thought out. And that's why we are asking the federal government to partner with us to deliver better enhanced rebates for people to make the switch that they want to make. They want to switch from fossil fuels to clean electricity, Mr. Speaker. We're going to continue to push the federal government to join us in this work that British Columbians are calling for us to do. We're going to continue to take action, make progress on our climate targets, and support people. Member for Kelowna Mission. Don Urban has worked for the same company for 35 years and earns a good middle-aged income as an airline pilot. But the rising costs of essentials from groceries to fuel means that Don has a shrinking paycheck with nothing left at the end of the month. Don says, and I quote, the system is not fair as I watch my income be fed upon in interest rate hikes, climate change taxes, fuel taxes, food, etc., 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 end quote. This is the reality of the NDP's middle-class squeeze that has Don and others referring to the Okanagan as, and I quote, Brokenogan. When will the Premier give Don and countless others a break from the rising cost of everything under the NDP, specifically from exorbitant taxes on home heating? Minister of Finance. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I thank the member for the question. And I just I want to say we recognize that people are facing real challenges when it comes to cost of living. I mean, global inflation and high interest rates are, are raising costs. You know, we get that. And to that end, we are trying to support people in many different ways. Um, and we know, I think the member was referring to middle-class families, not middle-aged families, but middle-class families are definitely feeling uh, real challenges. But we have taken action to try to help those middle-class families and to try to help all families in this province. I mean, making sure that we have reduced childcare has been substantial. I'm not sure if Don has children that are in childcare, but people that uh, have child, children in childcare are putting a minimum of $900 back in their pockets, and, and it is helping them a month. And that's substantial, a month, up to $900 a month. You know, that, that's incredible. You know, reducing ICBC rates, I'm sure um, Don drives, you know, $400 a year for drivers, that's substantial. Um, building more homes for middle-income people. You know, right across the province, I don't think there, there's very few places in the province where we're not working hard with municipalities. I mean, every municipality in the province got a substantial amount of, of funding to work towards infrastructure. And 
that funding was going right in to support those communities to ensure that they have the infrastructure to expand on their housing. Because we know all kinds of housing is needed in this province, whether it's low-income people, middle-income, we know that they need that housing. And we've boosted BC's family benefit. Not sure if Don has children, but every family in this province has had a boost to their, their income with BC's family benefit. And there's many more options and many more things that we've been doing, Minister Speaker. I'd be happy to expand on it more. Kelowna Mission Supplemental. Well, breaking news, BC is the most unaffordable jurisdiction in Canada. So that response from the minister will be nothing more than cold comfort to Don, who has had to delay his retirement thanks to the NDP's record high spending with record low results. And he is far from alone. Tanya Harding and her husband both hold well-paying jobs, yet they are feeling the pinch of shrinking paychecks thanks to the NDP's record-breaking inflationary deficits and failed policies. With active young children and aging parents to care for, Tanya says, and I quote, I only buy groceries that are on sale now, end quote. How much worse does it need to get before the Premier admits that the NDP's record-breaking inflationary deficits are making the middle-class squeeze worse? And will he give Tanya's family a break on heating their home this winter? Minister of Finance. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and, and, and I just want to point out to the member that uh, actually everyday families in BC are actually paying lower taxes oh. under our... <laughs> So a family with two children making $100,000 a year, they pay 34% less, 34% less in provincial taxes than, than, than what they did in 2016. Also a family earning $30,000, they don't pay taxes. In fact, they now get $2,500 back in their pockets, unlike under the, form, under the former government. You know, and yes, Big corporations are paying a little more. Yes, they are. And that money is going right back into supporting average British Columbians right across the province. And I asked the member opposite, so what would they cut? Would they cut the childcare programs? Would they cut the supports to people so that they can pay lower taxes? You know, we get it. Times are tough. Things are expensive. But we are providing supports to people to help them right across the province. Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, if you're tuning in to question period, according to the NDP, everything is fine in British Columbia and there's absolutely no affordability crisis. People cannot even afford the basics like groceries without maxing out their credit cards. This is the reality of the NDP's new normal, where people can't even afford to heat their homes without breaking the bank. How much longer will this Premier ignore the desperation of people forced to rely on their credit cards for groceries due to this NDP's record-breaking failed policies. Minister of Finance. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And, and we recognize times are tough. That's why, under us, we're going to continue to support people, unlike the other side, that used to cut services to people when times got tough. Tax, the tax child benefit was introduced in, in uh, 2016, I believe it was, two or two even further back. And it was only to kids, people that had children under six. And it, it eliminated 
a whole group of families that have children that are older than six. So we extended that. So it supports families right up to children that have kids up to the age of 18. And again, I mean, the, the more we, like, we talk about our childcare, and, and the members opposite poo-poo it, maybe that's because they cancelled the childcare program back in 2001 when the Liberals were elected. But it is putting significant dollars back into the pockets of people. And people members. that are telling me that, in fact, they are taking those dollars they're saving on not having to pay for additional childcare, but they get the full childcare they need, they're putting that money back into a for in buying groceries, paying for things that they need, because we recognize times are tough. And, and the member's saying thank you. I'd ask the Leader of the Opposition, because he cut things when he was Finance Minister. He was very quick to cut things. I mean, there's a whole list of programs that he cut. So let's talk about what, if he was ever in this government again, would God forbid, you know, would he continue to cut all those programs that we've Thank been you. putting into supporting Thank people you. across the province? Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. It's results that people actually want to see from this government. It's lack of results that they're getting. And after seven years and two elections, all this government has done it has, is added 29 new or increased taxes, an extra $20 billion in taxation annually in the province of British Columbia. And if the minister wants to know something to cut, cut the carbon tax on home heating fuels like the federal government is doing. This government doesn't seem to know how to cut a tax. They only seem to know how to raise them. They talk about the Climate Action Tax Credit going up. That's because they've doubled the carbon tax. The Climate Action Tax Credit's been around since 2008. Of course it should go up because you've doubled carbon tax. The economic policies of this Premier are tightening the middle class squeeze, Mr. Speaker. As of last month, we are officially the most unaffordable jurisdiction in Canada. We have outpaced the national rate of inflation 10 of the last 15 months. There's the largest inflationary deficit in BC history, and these policies are slated to cost us an estimated $28 billion a year to our overall economy, which will translate to $5,000 for everybody per year in this province. Why is the Premier not giving back to families and a break on home heating while still recklessly driving up the cost of living in BC? Minister of Finance. Just to make it clear, Mr. Speaker, 85%, 85% of the people in this province are benefiting from the Climate Action Tax Credit. In fact, it's more than doubled for 85% of the people in this province. The member makes comments about BC. Ma members, BC members, is actually members. fiscal. Member? People is act, BC is actually a fiscal and economic leader in Canada. The members opposite do not like to acknowledge that. You know, we have added over 51,000 jobs this year in the province. No, last year our job growth was mostly in the private sector. And job growth was... Yes. Members. So members, in, in, members. In 2022, 60, almost 63,000 new jobs and 54, almost 55,000, Mr. Speaker, were in the private sector. You know, let's, let's compare that to 2012. Mem members, let's not prolong the question period unnecessarily. Uh, 
I mean, Member. in the private, in the 2012, there was 17,700 total jobs. And he talks. The member talks about, uh, you know, we're hiring too many nurses, too many doctors, too many people in the in the public sector. Do they not want those people to provide services to the people in this province? Members, members. My goodness, they don't want us to hire teachers. They don't want us to hire teachers. They don't want us to hire nurses. So what would they cut? What would they cut, Mr. Speaker? I think that's members, what we need let's, to ask. Let's... What would they cut? The bell, the bell ends the question period.